Welcome to the Companion Chapel Everyday Bible Study Podcast. My name is Mike, coming to you from the Great Lakes area of beautiful Ontario, Canada, on this gorgeous, snowy Thursday, November 4th, day, 2021. Coming right up, it's the book of Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 15. Don't you dare miss it. This is about what happens when God says a divided house can't stand. And when you're divided against God, when God's not in your household... Like what happened to David here in Second Samuel chapter 15. These are the soap opera chapters of the Bible. And this is a great example for us. If you don't want troubles or controversies in your household, then look what happened to David and don't allow that to happen in your household. Don't you dare miss this chapter. All anxieties and uncertainties stop where biblical literacy starts. This Companion Chapel podcast makes the Bible easy for you to understand and enjoyable for you to follow along. First, please consider your part in the many-member body of Christ. This is your church. Help glorify, magnify, and broadcast God's saving word. My part is creating this Bible teaching media. Your part consists of getting involved in the church administration with your time or money contributions, managing, marketing, advertising, helping with the website, whatever God given talent you have, God expects you to use it in the many-member body of Christ. Companion Chapel is a registered nonprofit ministry. This Bible teaching podcast is only possible with your donations. Give it up for God and your whole human family at companionchapel.com. How are you blessing others with the blessings God has given you? Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, or e-transfer to email address companionchapel at gmail.com. Companion Chapel is located at number 338, side road 28-29 Paisley, Ontario, Canada. That's N0G2N0. Come on out. The phone number here is 509-706-8876. Second Samuel chapter 15. Let's do this. Watch this. This is a great chapter. And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Now, don't forget, Absalom just finished sizing up David and says, uh, uh, this guy's soft and look at the way he's running his kingdom. Like, Absalom is challenging his dad's sovereignty here. And what David's doing, King David, is staying around in a leisure suit till late in the afternoon, and then look at the things he's done. He's not allowing God to run his household. A divided house cannot stand. Absalom's his son, and look at the pedigree of Absalom. Comes from a queen, or the daughter of a king. So there he has that blood in him, and David's blood in him the king line of Judah and the king line of Syria. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man had a controversy, came to the king for judgment. Then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. Like treason is on Absalom's mind. He's putting on a big show here. He puts on a big parade. Who's this coming through town? Like people were just walking around and in a sheet and sandals. And here comes this guy, 50 chariots to run before him, or 50 men with chariots and horses. Like, this is a big show. People, he's getting people's attention. Now, this is the judgment gate. And Absalom finds another weakness in the way David is running the kingdom. And he exploits it. David should have had a judge at that gate, or even him himself. Like, that's Satan's ways, to find your weakness forever. And what does Satan do? Well, he's the accuser. That's what Satan means. Satan is a descriptive word. Adversary. Accuser. He just will rub your face in it. Remember, he's always pointing fingers, saying to God, look what your your boy did. Look what your girl did. Now, David is not running the show here 
with authority. He should have had somebody out there. I'm watching verse 3. Absalom is putting on a big show here. And Absalom said unto him, See thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed here of the king to hear thee. Like David should have had somebody there. Absalom said moreover, these are all the people. He's getting quite a crowd. And if you roll into town, if you roll down Main Street in your town and you have 50 people running before you with horses and chariots, like that would be an organized show parade. He grew up, in the, he grew up with the king's pedigree right in him. That's how he grew up. He knows how to put on a king-like show. And Absalom's campaigning here. He has treason on his mind against his dad. He sized his dad up, King David. It's being soft. And he found some weaknesses. And instead of helping his dad and turning to God, he does the satanic type of thing that people do. They exploit it. It's like if you share something with somebody, way back in 2000, what the bleep, and all of a sudden they still run, your, they're rubbing your face in it years later. It's like, hey, I shared that with you. I needed to talk about it. I'm like, oh, it would be like, okay, a, a drinking person, like an alcohol person. Be like, back in 2000, the year, back years and years ago, I shared this with somebody. And then years and years later, oh, are you still drinking? Do you have a problem? I, I worry about you. Yeah, do, you. do you have a problem? No. If I had a problem, I would tell you. But back then, I needed to talk about it. So why are you rubbing my face in it? Same with drugs. It's like, well, back in 2000, what the bleep, you did drugs. And we knew that. And we think you're still doing drugs. We think you're angry and doing drugs. Are you? Are you? No. If I had a problem, I'd come to you. But now you're rubbing my face in it and you're making me upset. And then the person will say, oh, look, he's still angry. He's angry. Is he going to go do drugs now because he's angry? Well, you're instigating it. That's what Satan does. That's what the satanic demons, devils, evil spirits do. They're accusers. They're adversaries. They'll rub your face in it forever. They never forgive and forget the sin. God forgives and forgets the sin. He forgets it. He never will rub your face in it. He'll always consider human frailty. But he never brings that sin back up. You never bring that back up in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you repent of something, you ask for forgiveness, it's forgiven. Don't bring it back up. That's an insult. That's marginalizing what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Now, this is a great example of what happens. King David doesn't have God with him. Remember in chapter 12, he got this put on him. I think it's chapter 12. I don't want to read the whole... It's, it's almost like a curse. It was after Nathan the prophet said to David um, that whole speech about, David, you are guilty of this. And you realize what's going to happen. And now uh, Nathan the prophet told him that you are going to lose everything and it's going to be nothing but an adversary is against you. The sword shall never depart from thy house, David, because thou hast despised me. That's what happened. When you, you despise God, when you question him, you can ask questions about God and Ask questions about the scripture. You're expected to. You're expected to seek out and inquire of the Lord. To gain knowledge. But you don't question him. Say, I think I know better. And what did David do? He gave into the lust of his flesh. And he saw some chick taking a bath off his balcony. After he woke up. Like taking an afternoon nappy poo. And there he is back into the cocktails again. Who knows? Walking around with a Hugh Hefner smoking jacket. Staring off his balcony at this girl taking a bath 
Like the two of them. Come on. Pull it together. Learn to say no to yourself. But David didn't. And this is an example to us. God said, okay, it's back to war for you, David. I'm taking my my protection off you. And I'll raise up, raise up evil against thee out of thine own house. And I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor. And he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun. This is going to happen. Watch, Absalom ends up doing all this. Right out of his own house. God said, this is what's going to happen through the prophet Nathan. And this is what will happen to you. Your house will fall apart like a cheap old lawn chair. If you don't let God run the show. Always inquire and seek God out. Now we're back here. Absalom is going to try and take over daddy's king chair. And watch how this plays out. So Absalom's sitting in the gate where David should have had somebody appointed there to look over the matters, the pleas, the causes, or the concerns or suits of people. And they would are supposed to judge accordingly out of the Bible. Not the way mankind judges today. The hypocrites in the law courts, all set on precedent. Oh, well, this precedent here, that precedent there. That's an inconsistent thought pattern. That's the trademarks of mankind. God has a consistent, unchanging principle, reason, resolve, and these things are written in the councils of eternity. It's a higher power. Mankind is inconsistent, has an inconsistent thought pattern that leads to unprincipled beliefs, and that's the hypocrites today. The lawyers, what else is new? Nothing. Nothing's new under the sun. Ask Solomon. Ecclesiastes. So here's Absalom. He's there, and he's going to tell these people what they want to hear because he's campaigning. Sound familiar? Campaigning. Tell the people what they want to hear. Nothing's changed. Four. This is uh, 2 Samuel 15, 4. Absalom said, moreover, Oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which had any suit or cause might come up to me, and I would do him justice. That's right, because he wants to be the judge, and the judge is always the king. And God wants to be your judge. He is your king. He's the king of kings, Lord of lords. And when people try and insert a man into it, we have a 100% failure rate in governing ourselves. Since day one, 100% rate at governing, failure rate at governing ourselves since day one. Let's see verse five here. And it came, and it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do absence, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. Well, he's putting on a big show. Hey, listen, here, where he's probably got those, remember in the 70s, you used to get those buttons you could put on your coat, like it would be like a circle thing with a, uh, like a safety pin behind it and people used to campaign a lot with those this is the same thing put a sticker on your lapel or a big button I vote for Absalom here you go six and on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to king for judgment he's campaigning hard so Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel well where's David during all this how could he not know this is not going on right at the gates of Jerusalem, right at the gates, like he should have seen it happening. Or is he having a nappy poo? Or is he looking off his balcony for somebody? I'm not dogging David. This is human frailty, and we have to identify this. All these things are for examples for us in these times. These things happen, for example, to us. How your life will fall apart like a cheap suit, or including your household, or how you can keep it together. God always gives you a way out. But God's, he has to trust, he has to test you. 
to see. And the way he gives you a way out, he'll never put more on you than you can handle. And a lot of the times the way out, you might not like it. It might not be the most profitable or the most convenient. But he gives you a way out. He wants to see where your pride is, where your, what you, where your egotism is, where you possess it, what you worship. What is your religion? What do you believe in? People say, I'm not religious to me all the time. I'm not religious. Yes, you are. Whatever you believe in. Most people around here, because there's so much money, they believe in themselves. They sit, there, they sit around and they, they think that, oh, yes, I believe in myself. And these people have developed an attitude of entitlement, of obscene privilege over others, of their own worldwide, over others of their own worldwide human family, and over Mother Earth itself. These people around here, this obscene privilege, this attitude of entitlement, of, of greed and gluttony, what's, what's this done? It's created a centralized world economy. In the last 70 years, mankind in Canada, USA, Europe, have created lifestyle expectations of exceptionalism that Mother Earth cannot sustain. People demand excess material things beyond the basic necessities of life while fully aware that they are perpetrating labor exploitation, rendering other human beings as exploitable and surplus and guilty of the mass exploitation of humanity and Mother Earth's generative right to exist. That's what you get when you believe in yourself. You're destroying the planet and other people. But as long as your paycheck keeps coming in, right? As long as it doesn't matter. Doesn't it just, hey, where's my paycheck? I went to that factory, that job site. I went to that office for 25 years. Where's my paycheck? I need to buy some stuff to, to fulfill my attitude of obscene entitlement over others. God allowed you that job. He allowed you the political stability. That's why it says in the Bible, God, God ordains every government. He knows what's in the people's hearts. And if he gives you 25 years of a stable government and look around the planet today, that's very rare. Then you give it back to God. You give it up for God. No, bigger house, more cars, more expensive stuff. Let's upgrade. Let's just uh, continually buy and shop and perpetuate this upgrade culture. And the corporations just make everything with uh, uh, like an expiry date on it. It's planned obsolescence. Anyways, that's what happens when you put man in charge. They're just going to destroy everything all around them because all evil in the world comes from the human art and it's perpetuated by human beings. And God even said, the Bible says, people have evil in their hearts right from birth or right, right from youth. That's what you had in you before. That's why we're here. Because we fell. We are the one third that followed Satan. That's us. We've been restricted and reduced, passed through the matrix once, born instant of woman, to see if we can get that out of us. But people in Canada, United States, Europe, no, no, we, we are entitled to this. Yeah, we're entitled to more things, more stuff. That's fine. See how that works out for you. Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. So he's just a charmer. Seven, and it came to pass after 40 years that Absalom said unto the king, this isn't 40 years of him staying at the gate. This is after David's reign of 40 years, which 
in the last chapters, I think I said it was already 40 years, but here we are at 40 years. I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. For thy servant vowed a vow while I abode in Geshur in Syria. If the Lord shall bring me again indeed to Jerusalem, then I'll serve the Lord. Um, this is what he's saying to Dottie, King David. This is a questionable vow because I've never really seen Absalom uh, consulting God before. And he's not he hasn't been consulting him on a regular basis like you're supposed to. So I'd question this till the sun goes down and comes back up again. Let's go to verse 10. And don't forget Hebron. It's even in the news today. It's constantly in the news. It's just outside of Israel. I mean outside of Jerusalem. And it used to be the headquarters for Judea. And then Jerusalem kind of nudged it in. And Jerusalem means a place of peace beyond our present comprehension. That's the etymology of the word. 10. But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. And with Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem that he called, and they went in, in their simplicity, and they knew not anything. Okay, so what this means is, Absalom sent a whole bunch of people incognito, and when they hear the trumpet, they're going to say, Absalom is the king. Absalom reigneth in Hebron. Or 12. So Absalom's doing some... This is treason. This is, he's gone past campaigning, and he's starting to set up his own governmental system. He's got people following him, and he's getting pretty popular. 13. And there came a messenger to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. Watch out, David. Your son is, you know, he sized you up as being soft. David probably read it in his face, too, when he saw him after he made him wait two years before he could see him. And don't forget, Absalom took off for another three years. It's a five-year stretch. Absalom asked for forgiveness, and David's just, like, kissed him in the head, and then that wasn't good enough. Absalom sees David's gone soft. 14. And David said unto all his servants that were, at, were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee. For we should not else escape after Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. David's on the run again. This is chapter 12, verse 1 being fulfilled. And don't forget, you know, Absalom would have wanted something from his dad. Like he's carrying the murder of his brother on him. But that, was a, that wasn't murder. That was execution. If you rape somebody, it's execution. Not only did Amnon rape, rape his or uh, I forget his name, his brother, he raped his sister, Amnon, I was right, raped Tamar, that's Absalom's full sister. Yeah, that's the death penalty. And how are you letting that go on in your house, David? So back in uh, the verse uh, chapter 14, 33, when Absalom finally got to see David, did David say, hey, good for you for getting rid of that out of my house? Yeah, it hurt my feelings. I let it go too far. He didn't give any consolation to uh, Absalom for getting rid of the rape hound. Like, David, you should never have let that happen in your house. A bunch of spoiled princes running around. Like, they could have had anybody. Like, they should have been out there working or doing prince stuff. Like, whatever princes do. Like, get busy. The guy's laying in bed all day, this Amnon guy. I mean, what was he doing? 
sitting there pining away about his lust of the flesh. What if what do kids do now nowadays? Like we're talking people up to thirty years old sitting around playing these video games all the day and all night mostly, sitting on the computers. Just so they can fulfill the lust of their flesh. Like the little uh dopamine hit you get every time something happens on the computer, some flashy thing, some uh or uh video game thing. Whatever. You know, like, come on, take care of your household. It says in the book of Isaiah, you're going to get ambushed by deception. And the and the man of the house is useless at stopping it. Yeah, because the man of the house is buying all the screens. It's woe unto those who build house on a house and field onto field. That just means one household after another is just getting ambushed. And the man of the house staying there, just allowing it to happen. A big deception, a big falling away from reality and what's true and what's not true. Social media, global media, that's all one of Satan's systems. That's his dynasty. That's his great empire. Great deception. Great falling away from truth. It's called the great apostasy. Apostle Paul called it. It'll come in through the walls. And people back then, even up until 100 years ago, what do you mean it's going to come in through the walls? It comes right through the walls, right through your stone walls, your steel walls, this little internet connection. Or your phone cell reception. Anyways, let's go to verse 14. David's on the run. Verse 15. And the king's servants said unto the king, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my lord the king shall appoint. Okay, so he's got some loyal guys here. Now, did we miss Antipol? Yeah, I missed Antipol. Okay, I missed verse 12. This is a big one. And Absalom sent for Ahithopal, the Gilanite, David's counselor from his city, even from Gilal, while he offered sacrifices, and the conspiracy was strong for the people increased continually with Absalom. Now, why did he go for Ahithopal? Don't forget, Ahithopal was Bathsheba's granddad, and Absalom has this play back to David's sin against Uriah, because Ahithopal probably liked Uriah. So say, hey, there's my daughter, and it's got a good loyal guy, and then along comes king, and has my son-in-law killed, and takes my daughter. And they have, the first kid dies. Like, who's this guy think he is? Like, I knew him, and now look at him. So, Ahithopal, Ahithopel, he's got, he could easily be carrying a grudge. In fact, he is carrying a grudge. We're going to find out what happens to him later. One of the only suicides in the Bible, a true suicide. Anthropol. Now watch what happens to him when he starts plotting against people. And everyone seems to be plotting against David. You ever think people, why is everything going wrong around you? People plotting against you? You'd be surprised. Are they thinking out for your best? Or are they sizing you up like there are David here? Hey, David's guns off. Let's size him up. He doesn't got God with him anymore. He doesn't have his convictions with him anymore. He's become wishy-washy. And don't look down on David for this. No one is as tough as David. None of us could do what he did. You know, be a sheep herder, go out in the middle of an army with everybody against him, even his own brothers, trash-talking him, slingshot a, a big stone right into Goliath's forehead, then go cut his head off after he'd already fought a lion and a bear. Like, David was a tough guy. And then he starts running the show for Saul. He's Saul's right-hand man. 
he says, general of the security detail of the bodyguard. And then Saul turns around, tries to kill him. Saul's winging spears at him while he's playing the harp. Like, and then David's on the run for years. It's like, no, none of us would be as tough as David because David always forgave Saul. And David inquired of the Lord. And then all of a sudden, when the Lord gave David a lot, possibly too much, too much time, time belongs to God. Look what David did with it. He used his time. He fell away from God. He became, he just got, like I keep saying, he, he got soft. He got soft in his convictions and he let his household slide. And now he's on the run. And when King David went forth and all his household after him, and the king left ten women which were concubines to keep the house, there's a mistake, but that's just fulfilling chapter 12. What, what the prophet Nathan said to David would happen. And King David went forth and all the people after him and tarried in a place that was far off. Now we're going to find out that I just suspect David wasn't in great shape like he used to be. Like he would have been in the greatest physical condition possible. The way he could go around and just live off the land and live with the people that he had following him. He was a great war machine himself. Just like his buddy Jonathan, Saul's son. And for David to be brave like that, he was a tough, ruddy kid, young man. And now I just suspect, because when it says afar off, we're going to find something out here. And all the servants passed on beside him, all the Cherethites and the Pelethites and the Gittites, 600 men, which came after him from Gath, passed on before the king. These guys were hanging around David at all times because they looked up to him. These guys are not even... Um, Israelites. These are foreign, foreign nationals. These are guys like from Palestine that always looked up to the King David and followed him. These Cherethites, that means his executioners, and Pelethites, that means his couriers. These people were always with David. They were Palestinian, but extremely loyal to King David. Then said the king to Atai the Gittite, King David said to the guy running his security detail here, his bodyguards, Wherefore goest also with us? Return to thy place and abide with the king, for thou art a stranger, and now you're in exile too. You just may as well go back to Palestine, he's saying. Whereas thou camest but yesterday, should I this day go up and down with us? Should I make thee go up? Am I going to make you on the run with me too? Seeing I go whither I may, return thou and take back thy brother. Mercy and truth be with thee. There's blessings. Loving grace forever to you. Okay? Blessings. And Ittai answered the king and said, As the Lord liveth, as my lord the king David, to you, David, surely in what place my lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also will I serve him. But he's not leaving. This guy just won't go. He just won't go. He said, no, we're your bodyguards. We've been around. We watched you. We watched you as a little kid come in and take care of our champion, Goliath. Like, you walked right out there with a slingshot, like Dennis the Menace, and just plucked him off right in the forehead. This big bag of steroid hot air, Goliath. He was actually a raphium, one of the fallen giants. Or Nephilim. He was the offspring of Nephilim. A raphium. Rapha. means giant. Nephilim. To fall. Genesis chapter 6 for the deeper student. Or you can Google that. Nephilim and raphium. Nephilim and raphium. So here we go. His security detail doesn't want to split. 20, 
three. And all the country wept with a loud voice, and the people passed over. The king also himself passed over the brook Kidron, and all the people passed over towards the way of the wilderness. Okay, so let's go back to verse 17 here. And the king went forth, and all the people after them, and tarried in a place that was far off. Well, I can tell you one thing, that Jerusalem and the brook Kidron, and this puts them in the Mount of Olives. That's not very far. This is why I'm thinking that David is not necessarily in the best physical condition that he used to be. Probably has one of those, wearing one of those tracksuits where the top matches the bottom of a lure tracksuit. And he's got it <laughs> zipped up to the top. Anyways, that's just supposition, obviously. I just don't think he's in good shape because that's not far. He used to truck around 100 miles at a time with his army. 24, and lo, Zadok, that means the just. And don't forget, when you see Zadok, always think Melchizedek, king of the just, our Lord Jesus Christ. And lo, Zadok, the just, also, and all the Levites were with him, bearing the Ark of the Covenant of God. So if these guys were carrying this, and they were doing it properly, by the way. And they don't, they, they wouldn't get far. Like, Kidron is not far from Jerusalem. Okay, so, so here's David, huffing and puffing, all out of breath. Carry back the ark of God into the city. If I shall find favor in the eyes of the Lord. Wait, and they set the ark, they set down the ark of God because they were now carrying it properly. They didn't put it on a wagon. Remember what happened before? And Abathar went up, Abathar. You know, he obviously got some Bible pounded into him because he was there when they built an ox cart. And he was there when the people that were pushing it around should have known better. You have to handle God's word properly or God won't put up with it. So here's Abathar. He should have known. He knows now he's got his buddies as a dock. The Levites are carrying this ark properly until all the people are done passing out of the city. And King David said to Zadok, Carry back the ark of God into the city. If I shall find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me again and show me both it and his habitation. Okay, so David's starting to realize, Hey, oh, I remember that ark thing. Yeah, yeah, the word of God, that's what it represents. It's carrying the word of God. That's just represent. It has to be carried properly. It has to be handled properly. And God won't put up with anything else. So there's David. Hey, the ark. Okay. Okay, good. Anyone got a smoke? No, I'm only kidding. David's a good guy. and None of us could do what David did. We would have all... We would have just all folded like a dirty old cheap suit. There's no doubt about it. But David's still carrying on. He's a chosen vessel. This is all examples for us. Don't let this happen to you. I say, so take it back, take the ark back, and if the Lord wants me to come back, he'll show it to me. But if he thus say, I have no delight in thee. That's what David's saying. If God has had it with me, because I know I fell. I got soft, I let the word of God slide, because God gave me so much, so I just took it for granted. Behold, here I am, let him do me as seemeth good unto him. There, David is finally starting to humble himself. And the king said also unto Zadok the priest, Art thou not a seer? Are you a prophet too? Return into the city in peace, and your two sons with you, Emmaaz thy son, and Jonathan the son of Abiathar. See, I will tarry in the plain of the wilderness until there come word from you to certify me. Zadok therefore and Abathar carried the ark of God again to Jerusalem, and they tarried there. Well, David is a great military guy. 
right from his youth. Like right from when he was with Saul, when he took care of Goliath, and what's David done here? Well, he's got a couple of secret agents in Jerusalem now. And they can be his eyes and ears for him. Okay, and he's told them where he will be. Until there come word from you to certify me. Okay, so you guys go in there and you are my eyes and my ears. And then you come out and tell me what's going on. What's up with this spoiled kid Absalom taking my seat, yo? 30. And David went up by the accent of Mount Olivet. So he's not far. Remember Jesus Christ down the Mount of Olives. Like it was, it wasn't even like, it's not far at all. But I'm not laughing. I'm just saying because in verse 17 it said, tarried in a place that was far off. Well, if that's far for David, then he's out of shape. Because this guy used to truck around Israel like nobody's business. You know, and they hoofed it back then. They weren't driving Humvees or Cadillacs or they didn't have motorcycles or buses or airplanes. They hoofed it. And if Mount Olives is considered a faraway place from Jerusalem, then, okay, David, I think you better do some push-ups and get on the elliptical. Anyways, here's David and he's humbled himself. He's realized he set up something. He's weeping because he has sinned. But Father expects more from David. That's why he gave him that punishment curse of chapter 12. Verse 11 and on. I think I keep saying verse 1, but read the whole chapter. Obviously, we just did that chapter. So David went up by the ascent of Mount Olives and wept as he went up, and his head covered, and went barefoot, and all the people was with him, covered every man his head, and went up weeping as they went up. Okay, it's time to humble. The party's over, David. It's This is a symbol of self-condemnation and a symbol of mourning. 31. And one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray. Finally, when was the last time that David turned to the Lord and prayed? Turned the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. That's Bathsheba's grandfather. We just went over who this guy was. And he has a grudge against David. There's no doubt about it. 32. And it came to pass when David was come to the top of the mount, where he worshipped God, behold, Hushi, no, Hushi, the archite, came to meet him with his coat rent and earth upon his head. I love this. Just put that image in your mind. Now, like these people were into the drama. They felt it. This was real. Like if you're going to tear your coat... And you couldn't just go to Winners or the Bay or wherever you go, J.C. Penny, go buy a new coat. Like, you tore your coat? Like, that was serious. Look at this guy. This, this is serious. He's not just putting on a pouty show here. And earth on his head? Yeah, they didn't really have showers back then either. Like, you had to go heat up some water somehow and take a bath or, or, or just... just hug it out or just moan it out and jump in some cold water like I've been doing the last 14 months. Anyways, here we go. Unto whom David said, If thou passest on with me, then thou shalt be a burden unto me. Like, get lost, Hoshi. You're just going to drag me down. Like, I'm already got my coat rent. Can't you see I'm having a... I'm, you know, anyways, uh, David's like, you're going to be a burden unto me. Just, just go away. 
But if thou return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be thy servant, O king, as I have been thy father's servant, so I will also be thy servant, then mayest thou for me defeat the counsel of Ahithophel. Okay, good. Look at David. He's always thinking, right? He's, always, he's just a thinker. Like he might be huffing and puffing in his leisure suit there, trying to get up the hill, and he knows he did wrong. And he's out of shape. There's no doubt about it. Because he could have hop, skip, jumped that Mount Olivet before, and now he's got. Now he's setting. He's sending uh, a couple spies into the, into the city, and he's sending another one into the city. Here's a wise spy, okay? And he's saying, Ahithophel, go against this guy. You can get to Absalom, and I'll tell you how you can get to Absalom. By saying, I'm a servant of the king. King David? King who? It's King Absalom now. Okay, watch. 35. And hast thou not there been with Zadok and Abathar the priest? Therefore it shall be that whatsoever thou shalt hear out of the king's house, thou shalt tell it to Zadok and Abathar the priest. Okay, so he's got a network of spies in there. A network of secret agents. Priests. And his, uh, this guy... Hushy. And I'm telling you something. This is David thinking. He's always thinking. He knows what's right. He knows what's wrong. He just let things slide. So now he's backtracking. He wouldn't have to be in this situation. He could be sitting in the king's house where he belongs. But no. Mankind has a 100% failure rate at governing themselves. King David, yeah, we'll meet him someday. But he went through a lot. God gave him a lot, but he expected a lot from David. And no one, none of us could have been on the run from somebody like Saul and continually forgived to the bitter end right from the heart. Like, who could do that? Someone upsets us now. Someone disses us nowadays. Like what people do. That guy dissed me. Go get a gun and start shooting. Like people just are so about themselves. It's not even funny. Or people diss me and they get all upset about it and they start gossiping and slandering the other person. He dissed me. You know, when that word first came out in the 90s, I didn't get it. I just, I didn't get it. He dissed you. Oh, he disrespected you. Oh, okay. Dissed. The thug life. That's nice. 36. Behold, they have there with them their two sons, Emeaz, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abathar's son, and by them you shall send unto me everything that you can hear. There's this network of secret agents infiltrating into Absalom's uh, egotistical kingdom that he's setting up. So Hushi David's friend came into the city, and Absalom came into Jerusalem. Absalom leaves Hebron to be the third king. He appointed himself, though. Saul was appointed by God. Saul fell. David was appointed by God. David fell. Absalom Challenged his dad's sovereignty, and there he is setting up shop. Third king in the book of uh, in the book of the Bible. Here, there's your third king. Anyways, I want to thank you very much for listening. Have yourself the greatest day, and bye for now.